Welcome to the Wasatch Report. This is episode number 64. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson is with me today, as always. Want to catch up a little bit? The federal courts are weighing in on the mandates, and we'll be discussing that today, as well as some of the implications and what you can do, regardless of what your personal decision is. Thank you for listening over on Anchor FM. From there, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Please share this show, and you can also support it directly from the Anchor FM page, or you can go to SuzanneCSherman.com, and there is a donate button on our homepage. There you will also find published articles, particularly on federalism, which will help shed light on the many of the current events, including today's topic, and we'll approach today's topic by discussing state regulations, federal regulations, and the role of the federal judiciary in both instances. want to also acknowledge a blog that I just posted on my website in honor of Veterans Day. I shared with you a story about my grandfather, who was a flight surgeon attached to the air group of the USS Franklin. That was an aircraft carrier bombed off the coast of Japan. He had originally shared his story with the Journal of Navy Medicine, and it has a slight uh, angle of disaster preparedness. So if you like disaster preparedness and military history and a fascinating personal story, please head over to SuzanneCSherman.com and you can read that article as well. Jeff, a lot of people are facing losing their jobs. Many of our personal friends, this is really starting to hit home. One of the main reasons we've talked about preparedness is loss of employment. I've been saying loss of employment is a reason people need to be prepared and self-reliant since I started getting into this over 10 years ago. People are now faced with losing their jobs that have never had to have this issue. They thought that their jobs were secure. You have a government job. You're faced now with a unilateral change in the conditions of your employment, and you must accept it or you must give up your source of income. So again, this is another reason to head on over to SuzanneCSherman.com, read my blogs on personal preparedness, because you know this, this might be out of your control, but you can still be prepared to deal with the fallout, come together as a community and, and, and share this information. So please get started, start getting prepared, even if you haven't done so, even if you do not think your job is at risk, we are seeing shortages and inflations many, many reasons to prepare. You can also go to our Facebook page on preparedness, facebook.com, the red hot chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y prepper page. We also have a show on Anchor FM called the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. So please go over there. This show also has a page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. Jeff, things are getting pretty crazy. We're not going to tell you what to do. This choice is up to you. But like we always say here, we take a position of detached fascination and our analysis is nonpartisan. We both have personal feelings about, you know, what they're trying to force on people. But again, we respect the decision that you make that's for you. What we take exception to is having a personal medical procedure forced on somebody, particularly if they have come up with their own means of protecting themselves and protecting the community. 
We are advocating that you are not necessarily selfish for making your own medical decisions. Jeff, do you think I summed that up okay? Did I represent our values here and our our mission? I believe you did. I think that for the most part, we just want everyone to make their own informed decision. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You look at the data, which is withheld from you. you are, you're not allowed to find the data, not allowed to find uh, the stuff that might influence your decision. But if you can find it, which we have found some of our own, and we, you make it a, an informed decision, that's infor- informed consent uh, or dissent, that's your freedom. That's what, I mean, really when it comes down to it, that's what we're talking about is freedom. Do you own your body? Are you free to make your own choices? Or does the government have uh, the power? Well, they have the power. They don't have the authority to uh, compel you to do these things. I think the thing that's concerning a lot of people, Jeff, is the fact that any kind of questioning is is not allowed on social media, on any of the major platforms you're seeing out here. Anybody that that rightfully points out some of the dangers to this scientific peer reviewed studies. Uh, my this the the Wasatch Report page on Facebook was throttled back because I shared a peer reviewed study from John Hopkins. What does Facebook put up? And I we had a, a bit of a discussion on this on the Wasatch Report page the other day. I want to bring up that that thread. And my question was, just because something says it has been tested for safety and monitored after, does that mean something is absolutely safe? So here's the way I said, if something goes through tests for safety and effectiveness, I beg your pardon, and then is monitored closely, does that mean it is safe and effective? Why is this claim a substitute for actual studies and reports of something being Neither. So somebody commented on there, and I want to share this with you. I'll keep the person's name out of it. Um, And then, of course, Facebook likes to filter out everything. So one person had said, we monitor car accidents and issues with cars. Are cars experimental? Ongoing monitoring is common in any product or test and products where quality control is important. So I had responded that I really sometimes wonder. I said, are you, are you precluded from sharing the data resulting from car accidents? Will you be banished from platforms if you say, for instance, there is a dangerous flaw with a brand of vehicle? Are car manufacturers deemed a lot uh, not liable for dangerously defective vehicles they put on the market? Are you required to own a vehicle? I wonder if this if this poster, the commenter, has a, a lab coat and works for the government. So, oh, look at his response was, I work in AI and big data. I have worked for the dis- defense industry and other areas. Well, there you go. And then our good friend Andy Avery also responded that there are many differences or many different reasons for monitoring. In one case, it's important. It's uh, to make improvements to existing designs, which are well-tested and reliable. In the other case, it's to continue testing on a product rushed to market without adequate reliable testing. And I really don't care how you fall, what side you fall in on this debate. It is irrefutable 
that the years required for long-term issues and negative impacts of what is being forced on people today haven't been done. And originally the hesitation was, well, it's not, people don't want it because it's not FDA approved. Jeff, what were we saying? Watch, they're going to approve it without the testing that's required of everything. So again, if you want to get this done without the proper testing, without the proper history, that's fine. That's your decision. We have seen in the past, Jeff, remember that morning sickness pill that has caused uh, tremendous birth defects. I think that was out in the 50s and 60s. And that, what is it called? Thamaldehyde, something like that. Um, and kids were born without arms. This stuff was FDA approved. How many FDA approved drugs have proved dangerous in, in the first place? So anyway, without getting into that, the federal courts are now weighing in. And here's a quick one. The United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, Jeff, I believe that is up in your neck of the woods, has temporarily halted the Biden administration's rule requiring or, uh, employers with over 100 workers to mandate the COVID-19 vaccinations or implement weekly testing. Jeff, let me share with you, I was listening to Mike Lee, who's a senator from Utah out in my neck of the woods, talk about the constitutional authority of the vaccine mandate. And again, what he was saying was there is no constitutional or statutory authority for the mandate. What does that tell you, Jeff? That there was no delegated authority. And even if there wasn't, they didn't even pass a law to give themselves that power. Exactly. So what he is saying is, Absent the constitutional authority, we're just going to pass a law and have the president sign it. We'll pass a bill, I should say, and have the president sign it into a law. And that is a substitute for constitutional authority. How many people do you think picked up on that that listened to it? They openly admitted, if we don't have the constitutional authority, we will simply pass a law giving ourselves the authority. And they've done this time and time again. So let me get back now to the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit has put a temporary block on the mandate. The court wrote, because the petitions give cause to believe there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate, the mandate is hereby stayed pending further action by this court. The U.S. government has till today, Monday, at 5 p.m. to respond. The waters here, Jeff, are getting muddy because we have Biden's mandate that's going to be enforced by OSHA at the federal level, but we also have some state regulations and also private companies within the states, obviously, that are going to obey this mandate, which, by the way, is not a law. There's nothing in the federal register about this. This is just OSHA saying, we're going to fine you because we can, and what are you going to do about it? And the answer is predominantly, with the exception of a few, is uh, not a damn thing. We're going to require our employees to either take this or lose their jobs. So let me share with you an article from the Daily Caller. And before anybody says we're biased here, I have also pulled one up from CNN. All right. So here's one from the Daily Caller that is saying the federal court temporarily blocks Biden's OSHA vaccine mandate as well a federal court should. This is blatantly unconstitutional and there is no statutory authority. Notice how they say, I say and and not or. Mike Lee kind of, you know, he says here that you can have one or the other. I'm saying there is one and one only. 
And that is the constitutional authority. Check out the supremacy, the supremacy clause. These mandates are not made in the pursuance thereof, meaning the Constitution. So the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, and that's in the Louisiana area, has also temporarily halted the Biden administration's rule requiring employers with over 100 workers to mandate COVID-19 vaccinations or implement weekly testing. So this ruling was issued Saturday on a lawsuit filed by attorneys general of the states. The court ordered the vaccine mandate to be temporarily halted. The mandate was to be enforced through OSHA and set to go into effect January 4th. Because the petitions give us cause to believe there is grave statutory and constitutional issues, with a mandate, they have stayed this order pending further action. And as I said earlier, the government has till five o'clock today, which is Monday, November 8th, to respond. The OSHA rule would require employers with over 100 workers to either mandate or require unvaccinated employees to provide testing on a weekly basis beginning on January 4th. And the unvaccinated workers are required to wear masks starting on the 5th. Jeff, let's talk a little bit about your situation after we take a quick break from our friends at Anchor FM. I'll just watch you walk away Pretending things will be okay everybody, the Wasatch Report, Jeff Johnson and I are discussing the federalism issue and the vaccine mandates that are currently going about. As we said in the first segment of the show, both the Fifth Circuits and the Second Circuits are weighing in. Jeff, you work within the or within the jurisdiction, I should say, of the Second Circuit, and you are presently faced with a uh, mandate uh, overshadowing your employment. How much of that would you like to share with us? Pretty much uh, everyone knows that I work in a New York State agency. And actually, this is a mandate for everyone that works for the state of New York. So it's not just mine. But I'm just the most familiar with what our mandate and what's going on at our agency. At this point, I would say less than half. We're probably in the 40% range have taken the vaccine. So about 55% of the agency I work for is not vaccinated. And the majority of those are like myself and we're like, uh, no, I will not be vaccinated. 
So the states between a rock and a hard place, they have implemented a weekly testing. And what is actually very interesting, I shared with you last night, I uh, found out from our union that if I tested, and I tested positive, I still got to come to work. I just have to wear a mask. And I'm going to protect everyone at work from COVID by wearing a mask. Shut up. No. (laughs) That's the honest truth. So so you're an employee, and you have tested positive. They know you have tested positive. The responsible thing to do would be what? Keep me out of work. Yes. But they know they cannot lose that many employees, which they're already losing a lot of them in your line of work out there. If a mask was sufficient for somebody that is knowingly positive, what the F are these vaccines about? Well, it's not, it's not about the virus, that's for sure. So what you're telling me, Jeff, is you get the vaccine or you get tested. So you test positive. They know you are positive. They know you're going to be indoors with a a large amount of people. And they, again, this is a setting right for spreading of this contagion. And it's okay as long as you wear a mask. If that is the solution, why did they go from masks to vaccines. This makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, nothing Nothing has made sense for the last year and a half. This all has been an exercise in mental gymnastics. I mean, I don't any other, know any other way to put it other than that because nothing is logical, nothing makes sense, and they certainly aren't following the science. The science changed every every day. One day was mass, next day no mass, next day six feet. No, we don't need that three feet. We don't, well, we need 10 feet. No, we need two feet. It, every day it changed. And it wasn't following science. It was just following some voodoo that was coming out of uh, the CDC. And, and everyone's really come to the conclusion that Fauci was just doing what was best for Fauci in his uh, pocketbook in the bottom at the end of the day. So let's approach this from another angle now. You've got vaccinated workers and you've got non-vaccinated workers. So the non-vaccinated workers would have to be tested on a weekly basis. If they test positive, they still come to work. They just have to wear a mask. Now, the particle, the the virus is, I think, um, what is it, 125 nanometers? And the masks filter down to 300 nanometers. So we've all seen those memes comparing the mask to a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. Again, if you're following the logic and you want to be absolutely analytical, you would say simply, well, the vaccines work and you either get vaccinated or you don't come to work. Now, we have a testing requirement to fall back on. Okay, we could keep them coming to work. They just have to test. But only the unvaccinated are required to test. So it's is is it feasible, Jeff, that you can have a vaccinated coworker with you who, because they are not required to be tested, can be positive because we know that they're getting it even after they've been vaccinated. And their justification is, well, it would have been worse had I not been vaccinated. Okay, that's your view, but there's no evidence to support that. So the unvaccinated worker or I'm sorry, the vaccinated worker doesn't have to be tested. They can be positive and no one will know because they are never tested and they never have to wear a mask. Folks, this is why 
this supposed pandemic is continuing because there's no rational uh, plan for controlling it. Even if you say vaccinate everybody, it's not working. Again, if you choose to get it, it's going to help you. You you feel that you're vulnerable, go ahead. But all we want to do here is point out the fallacies of these programs that they're implementing. It seems to me it's more important to get you to comply than have a safe environment. You know, and I get a lot of people reaching out to me uh, via email, Facebook Messenger, whatever, saying we are fighting this from people that are working in the airline industries and um, other people that are just saying, uh, one guy said, my my wife has had miscarriages uh, every time we try to get pregnant. Now she is finally pregnant. Jeff, this is irrefutable. This vaccine is causing changes to women's menstrual cycles. That much has been reported. And they just say, well, it's temporary. So here's a woman that's pregnant and wants to wait until she has had her baby. She's not saying, I'm not going to do it. Please let me just complete gestation. Nope, not good enough. You have to do this. So you're forced now with the decision of putting your unborn baby's life at risk or keeping your job. It's a really untenable situation, particularly for people who haven't prepared for the event that you might lose your job. Folks, this is why preparedness is such an important thing. Jeff, let's let's talk a little bit about the issue of federalism, because we're seeing some states have their own mandates that emanate from either their legislature. Typically, we're seeing this rests on the governor and from what they're doing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said. Do the feds have the authority to weigh in or not? You know how I feel about the incorporation doctrine. But the other problem I have here is the constitution in article seven requires each state to have a Republican little r, not party Republican, little r Republican form of government. That means that laws, dictates, mandates, decrees that are going to impact our lives must be passed by the state legislatures and signed by the governors, not having these, you know, crazy executive orders like we're seeing in California with Governor Newsom. But we're also seeing in California, like Los Angeles, mandatory vaccines. So it really depends just by where you live and who you're living under. I think Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center has been describing what it's like for him. New York City, you can't go to a restaurant or participate in any indoor activities unless you can show proof of vaccination. UFC fights in Vegas, from what I saw, were requiring testing if you have not been vaccinated. And this circles back, Jeff, gosh, I shouldn't use that term anymore. Uh, This goes back to what is going on in New York where, okay, so if you don't have a vaccine card, you don't have to be tested, but we know the people that have been vaccinated also can get it. So there's no logic to this. So the question turns now to who is going to make the decisions for this. The problem with this being purely a state agency is what we've talked about with grants. We have seen that the feds are tying grants and funding to compliance for the states who bend to their will. And that's the problem. The the waters are so muddy here. Even if you want to say this is strictly a state law, is this because of the federal edicts? Jeff, this is just proof positive that our system as a whole is an abject failure. The Constitution 
set up this system. It is not working. Do not blame the people because voting is not going to change any of this. Any more thoughts from you? As I've said a number of times, and I have a number of memes made by our good friend, Bob, uh, voting is the illusion of choice. I, I've, I've said it in different ways. I've said that government always wins. And uh, I've also said it that government pretends to let you choose your slave master. Voting isn't going to change anything. You are going to get what the government wants in the end. Uh, well, per, prime example, I just saw uh, that my congressman, a Republican, voted with Pelosi to give her that victory uh, for this uh, 1.2 or whatever it is, trillion dollar infrastructure bill. So, you know, uh, he voted with about, I think, 15 other Republicans to hand her a win. So as I always said that they're they're all in it together. The, the leadership in these the House or the Senate, they all choose who can vote yes and who can vote no, because some uh, people might be in a district that's not safe for them. So they need to vote no for it so that they can go back to their people and say, see how conservative I am. I voted no. And then, you know, when other ones where that's they're safe and doesn't really matter what they vote, because uh, most of the people are liberal anyway, they just say, see, I voted and I defended what is right, not by not what my party wanted. So it's all it's all t done behind closed doors, behind our backs. We uh, may have a pseudo say in what they uh, who's elected. But in the end, they all just do whatever the party always tells them to do. We're going to take a break to acknowledge our music sponsor, Roxanne, and we'll be right back to wrap up the show. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. in your mind then left you behind I told you the tables would turn now don't look to me for sympathy cause baby that bridge has been burned don't try to explain the dead and the pain like always your words are just hollow All right, everybody, this is the Wasatch Report, our final segment. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Judge Johnson and I are talking about the constitutional authority 
or these vaccine mandates and how this is different, how we need to approach this from a federalist level and uh, uh, the proper role of the federal judiciary weighing in on this. And we left off, Jeff, talking about the infrastructure plan as well. And a lot of people are seeing the another reason to prepare folks is rising inflation on a daily basis. Cannot believe how much more I'm paying for gasoline, how much more I am paying for groceries. Everybody's feeling this effect. And if you think that Biden's solely to blame for this, let's go back to the previous administration. Like I said, we are nonpartisan. You want to get vote for either party. That's up to you. You want to take a, you know, force medical procedure or volunteer to do one. That's your decision as well. But Jeff, who started this inflation ball rolling in the last administration? Donald Trump with his rescue plan. He's saying all these families are suffering and it's not their fault. No, it wasn't our fault. It wasn't our fault at all. But that doesn't mean that the federal government, and the Federal Reserve need to go into printing money on overdrive. We are seeing the impact. A good friend of mine said their family is paying $5,000 more in fuel. I'm paying twice as much as I used to pay. Jeff, you know, I'm out in the sticks. I drive a truck. My daily, my daily trips are about 80 miles round trip. That was unheard of for me when I lived in California. We are seeing the price inflation kicked off by what started in the last administration. The vaccine mandates, well, Operation Warp Speed. This was pushed. It was, it was pushed at, at warp speed to get it out there. We didn't have proper testing. We had an emergency authorization use. And then when people were hesitant, well, you know, we'll screw it. We're just going to have the FDA authorize it. You know, a lot of arms were twisted to get that done. And they have abandoned their former methods of testing and long-term studies. We're just not seeing that. However you decide to do this, but let me show, I want to show with you here for you constitutionalists out there that think that the constitution is going to save you. I want to share again, the concluding arguments and the response from the government, the attorneys for the U S government on this. So the request for an injunction by the plaintiffs in, uh, this was in the second district. This is in the New York area. This is what the teachers, this is an article from CNN. So let's just think I just go from all these right wing websites. No, I do not. In the second district, a federal appeals court issued a temporary injunction for New York City educators to go into effect early next week, temporarily blocking enforcement while the case is set up to uh, sent to a three judge circuit panel. Now, Jeff, this sounds to me again, like incorporation, just like I say, the feds have no business interfering with New York's gun regulations. You would think they would do this. Uh, they would also, this would also apply. But like I said earlier, the waters are muddied because of all these grants. And, uh, you know, are they looking, are they just kowtowing to the Biden administration? Because we know that New York is very much in line with Biden's policies. So the judge's ruling on from last Friday means that the mandate in all New York City Department of Education employees were to provide proof of at least one dose of the vaccine by this Monday may not go into effect at its planned deadline unless the case is reviewed before then. So the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit issued a notice putting the motion on the calendar for Wednesday. So here we have now the response to the, the or the justification in response. The Department of Education said the injunction threatens the Department of Education's 
safe resumption of full school operations for the city's nearly one million students, hundreds of thousands of whom are not yet eligible to be vaccinated. The response shared with CNN by the city's law department goes on to say that the injunction also upsets the reliance interests of parents and caregivers across the city who need clear and sound safety protocols when they send their children to public schools in the city day after day. Let me translate for you. We don't give a rat's ass about the Constitution. We don't give a rat's ass about your right to make decisions on your families or your children's on your own behalf. This is for safety, even though we know it's not completely effective. Folks, your only, your only way to avoid all this also if your kids are in the school is to homeschool them. So as far as the employees are concerned, you know, this is, you see the Department of Education has their fingers in this. So, you know, the whole system of federalism, Jeff, really has gone away because the feds, I keep thinking there's a a brain cancer out there just spreads through your brain like fingers and tentacles. That's what the Fed has done in their relationships with the states. So ultimately, which I think is very unfortunate, we lose representation. We lose our representation with our state legislatures, with our counties, with our cities, with our communities, to people that have gone to law school, done well in torts in their first year, then gone and and clerked for a federal judge, and then they get set up to be a federal judge appointee in, in their law careers. This is not representation. This is not consent of the, of the governed. This is politically connected lawyers and black government issued costumes making decisions on your behalf for your well-being and your family's health. Damn be the risks. Damn be your right to make personal decisions on yourself on your own behalf. Jeff, I'm going to wrap up the show. Do you have any closing thoughts? It comes down to one principle. Do you own yourself or does government own you? If you are of the mindset that government can do whatever it wants, then you believe that you're a slave to government and that they own everything you do. If you are the other mindset, that means that you believe you own yourself and that they don't have the authority to compel you to do things that are against your conscience. You know, speaking of the 13th Amendment, that kind of raises an issue with your situation, because if you're not going to be vaccinated and you want to keep your job, you have to be tested or you have to test yourself on a regular basis. Now, some of these people are being very vindictive and saying, well, anybody not vaccinated should pay for their own masks and their own testing. As we know, the tests are very expensive. Well, we don't really know that because the government's paying all those costs. But now what they're saying, well, if you choose not to do what we tell you to to do, you have to pay your own. When you have to take these tests, are you doing this on company time when you're at work? How does this work for you? No, I have to do it at home. I have to have the test shipped to the house and test at home. And that is why at this point I still haven't signed up because number one, I don't know that the state's not going to say because you're doing it on your own time, I'm responsible to pay for the tests and the testing uh, because that hasn't been really clearly spelled out. And second off, um, I'm being compelled to do a state-mandated work task at home without pay. And so, as I told you the other day, that uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, compelling me to be into 
involuntary servitude, and uh, that violates the 13th Amendment because that was for the states. The states could not have involuntary servitude any longer. So that's why I have now continued to object to signing up for these tests. Until those are so uh, solved, I guess I'm just not going to test. So, folks, again, we want to underscore that we absolutely respect your right to decide for yourselves. This, again, is a case and an instance, a situation that underscores the ultimate need to be self-reliant, to be prepared. If you get this and you do get sick, another reason we say you should always prepare for a disaster is for illness. One way or the other, you can either get sick from the virus or you can get sick from the side effects of the vaccine, or you can take your health seriously and give up a lot of the stuff that's making people very unhealthy. We know cardiac issues, diabetes, obesity are all significant health risks, making people more vulnerable. So do look out for yourselves. Practice getting practice getting in shape, practice good eating health habits, try to stay healthy, get outdoors, take care of yourself and try and stay out of this fray as much you can as you can. But I really fear that the noose is tightening and the people that just simply want to live their own healthy and self-reliant lifestyles are not going to have much of a place to go. So if you want to learn more about being self-reliant, working in a community, please check out our other podcasts, the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast also on Anchor. We want to thank you for listening to the Wasatch Report today. I'm Suzanne Sherman. On behalf of myself and Jeff Johnson, thank you so much for listening. 